Falcon. We got a lot to talk about today. The first week after the Apple versus Epic Games. What do you call it? I'd call it a court case, but it 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 is just a it it is the most professional-looking hot mess. that uh that we've seen in quite some time first though i am going to present to you with this wonderful grammatical error from lexology california holds amazon can be liable to consumers injured by 3p sellers Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you editors that should not be hired because they failed fifth grade English. Joking aside, this is, well, not, not really joking aside. It, it is clearly grammatically incorrect, but the actual story itself is interesting as california is now saying they will hold amazon responsible if consumers are injured by defective knockoff goods that are sold by third-party sellers on amazon i mean realistically right now even though amazon is a amazing service where you can go ahead and pretty much just get anything you'd want that a normal retailer can't it does also have the problem that you can get literally anything there including tons upon tons of knockoff goods that are just they look similar and in fact a lot of them use stolen images and then you end up getting something else and ends up being a complete scam Normally, a lot of stuff that am, that uh, California ends up doing, I end up kind of frowning upon because it because it, nine times out of ten, let's be per- perfectly honest, it's a gross overreach of California trying to say that they know best when the rest of the when the rest of the country looks at them and goes, you know, we're adults, right? We can handle ourselves. Thank you very much. In this case, I kind of got to agree with the state of California here. And I didn't think I'd say that. Because holy cow, the amount of awful knockoff nonsense that shows up on Amazon is getting to be ridiculous. So this will be an interesting one to see how this goes and also how much more grammatically incorrect Lexology can 
get. Meanwhile, other section of the internet want to make you panic. Everyone panic. And make sure you misspell panic and like forget a few levels or something. Because there is a new Spectre style exploit that can go ahead and attack your computer right now. And it affects both AMD and Intel. And in fact, can affect some kinds of ARM processors as well. But the thing is, is that the exploit is so pre- is so precise and so nearly impossible to to use. You have to pinpoint target your the exact machine, and it's an exploit that's near impossible to use, and pretty much is only useful as a showcase at a hacking convention. But it's there, and all of us should panic right now! Oh my god! Yeah, it's honestly the specter vulnerability is not that big a deal. And in the end, for the most part, let's be perfectly honest. There's only one kind of target that's going to be targeted with this specific exploit. It's going to be servers. It's going to be data centers. And this particular one, fortunately, unlike every other time one of these vulnerabilities come out, not many of the tech outlets have been trying to fearmonger with this specific exploit. I've said it every single time one of these comes out. Your PC is not going to get targeted with this. Your grandmother's PC is not going to get targeted with this. Your phone's not going to get targeted. Your smartwatch isn't going to get targeted. Your smart fridge isn't going to get targeted. The target of the of these sort of exploits are data centers. Because there's much, much, much better information in the cache of a server CPU than there is on your smart fridge. I'm just saying. Some of the chat in regards to our previous story was talking about how they're about how they've managed to come across quite a few terrible flash drives. Storage in particular, as far as scams, is notoriously bad. For the longest time before a one terabyte SD card was made, Amazon and eBay both were flooded. Underline flooded. With micro SD cards that were that have claimed to be one terabyte, despite the fact that one terabyte SD cards didn't exist yet. And in reality, you got a 32 gig SSD that just lied and said it was one terabyte. And if you tried loading up data on there and it was over 32 gigs, well, guess what? you have corrupted data because it just because the controller would be tricked to just overwrite itself nowadays one terabyte 
even micro SD cards exist, I want to say. But you do just want to be careful. You really, really do. So, someone in chat says they saw a one terabyte SanDisk micro SD for 200 bucks. That is most likely legitimate. The ones that just kind of come off as illegitimate are just too good to be true. Like here, if I go ahead and look up one terabyte, one TB uh, micro SD card. There we go. We actually do have one one here, one ninety nine. We have another one that's uh, le- less high end at one fifty nine. Like th- those, I believe are those actually look legitimate. The ones that uh, start looking a bit uh, sus are uh, actually. Oh, here we go. <laughs> there we go. Like this one here from A Store. That's a one terabyte micro SD flash card class 10 high speed card with SD card adapter for $23. Yep. You know it's a great de- you know that's a great- <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah I don't trust it. Uh I would not trust that at all. Maybe it actually is a good deal. Maybe maybe they actually do just have like one terabyte and it's just so slow that it makes up for it with a bad controller. I don't know. But uh ooh. Oh boy. I mean fortunately for in Amazon's case free returns are a thing. Just make sure that, you know, they offer returns. Speaking of returns, Peloton is recalling their treadmills. So these, uh, these treadmills are very interesting. Basically just cause it's a treadmill with a giant TV on it. But the problem is that these TVs, they weren't attached well on a number of these and were causing injuries. And I want to double check this, but yes, in fact, even the headline says it. And has caused one death For a treadmill with a TV attached to it. If if you, in fact, are the owner of one such TV, or not TV, uh, treadmill, go ahead and take a look and see what you can do to get... a refund on your device or another one or you know whatever you'd like someone in chat says these things also use a subscription service save uh, save that thought 
for a little bit. We've got a rant about subscription services coming up very soon. Now, one other thing about these uh, these devices is that, in fact, the API was so quickly slapped together that on top of that, there was quite a lot of potential for malicious exploitation. Like, the way it was done, if you knew what you were doing, you could just pretty much grab anyone information you wanted. So, you know... If one death on treadmill with TV attached to it wasn't enough of a deterrent to go ahead and get these, well, here you go. There's a security vulnerability with that as well. Now, as far as the subscription service goes, I have no problem with a subscription service if there is a continued service provided all right like for example i pay a subscription service to final fantasy 14 it's a great game i enjoy it and i expect that there are regular updates there is the game is constantly adding new content and then on top of that i also acknowledge that there is a massive server system on the back end that must be maintained and is providing that kind of connectivity to talk with literally the majority of people who are also playing at the same time. Or not the majority, but a large number of them. Netflix as well. You pay a service subscription to Netflix, and you expect that the service is updated on the regular. You get new content, you lose some content because Netflix is Netflix. And then on top of that, Netflix is maintaining the library. Someone else is doing the heavy lifting of file management for you. Now, in the case of this particular application... The service that you're getting, from what I understand, is a very Netflix-like subscription that instructional videos are provided to you directly on the exercise device. At least that's what I understand. And again, that I don't have a problem with. But this brings me to this. The AI-1 airbag vest. This airbag vest is intended for motorcycle riders. You're on a motorcycle. You wear this vest. If you were to get into a crash, the airbags in the vest would deploy and potentially save your life. What does this have to do with subscriptions? I can clearly see there's a $400 price tag on it. Oh. It's true. Your entry point for this potentially life-saving device is $400. And that I get, right? 
$400 and you get something that can protect you. But it has a subscription fee. And all this subscription fee does is allow the vest to work if for whatever reason your subscription lapses outside of its grace period and you get in a crash, the vest does nothing. The subscription fee, all it is, is that (laughs) no one's providing a service here. No one, nothing. No one's coming out to your house to check to make sure your airbag vest is working for your subscription fee. You, if for whatever reason your card expires and you don't renew it, and you're outside the grace period, well, that's on you, and now you're dead if you get in a crash. What? In their defense, though, this vest does, in fact, have an offer to, and I want to make sure I actually get the the right number here, I'm pretty sure... That you can, in fact, just pay $800 and it'll just work as it was originally intended. No additional monthly fee. But you either pay $12 a month or $120 a year. For this vest... That all it is, is a wearable airbag. That's it! Why? This is the, the the English language is incapable of me expressing how much I hate this. A lot of people have talked about over the years about how more and more and more we no longer own the things that we buy. This quite possibly at this time is peak you don't actually own it cuz not only are you paying 400 dollars as your initial cost to entry for this device but an additional $12 a month or $120 a year. 
And you know what the best part is? I want you to think about that $120 a year. Unless you are in the southern states where winter is basically just, oh, wow, burr, it got down to 70 degrees instead of 90. It's just, uh, I, I, I hate this. I hate every single aspect of this. Someone in chat asked the question, what if it fails to go off and it's paid? Well, concerning the, the company has the mentality of if you let the cost elapse and you wear wear it and and you end up dying, that's on you. I don't think they'd care and they would absolutely deserve to be sued. Absolutely. Now, with that said, I do get that a company has bills to pay. Believe me, I get it. Saying the guy who has to go ahead and figure out how he's going to pay payroll every week for the company he runs. But holy cow, this is, this is awful. This is absolutely awful. I will at least say this much. In their blatant case of what I would dare argue is a legalized a legalized mafia shakedown they at least do have the courage to put their FAQ right under the product page before they start explaining how how this save your life in fact actually to their credit the order of which they list this on their website is Initial price, the rest of the things to buy it, and then the FAQ about what happens. And I shall read that. They asked, Do I have do I have to subscribe? to an in and motion detection mode for this vest to work? The answer is no. You can either buy the service outright or choose from a monthly or adding subscription model. The goal with offering a subscription model is to lower the initial financial barrier to using an airbag vest. After three or four years, depending on which model, model you use, the subscription cost matches the outright purchase price. Choose what is best for you. If I next question, if I don't want a, a month monthly or annual subscription, do can I still get the air, can I still get the airbag vest? Answer: You can pur- purchase the vest and algorithm service outright and not to worry about the subscriptions. Note that it doesn't say how much it is. That amount, by the way, is four hundred dollars. 
Next one. If I suspend or pause my subscription and forget to reactivate it, will the vest still detect us as crash and inflate? Answer, no. Because in the first place, you won't be able to turn it on in, into ride-ready status before you ride. It will not trick you into thinking it's active when it is not because the LED indicators will warn you that it's not active. If you ignore the LED indicator w- warning that the airbag is active, you can expect... You can't expect it to work when you're not actively subscribed. (sighs) This kind of reminds me, and I don't think we actually talked about it here on Eagle Eyes on Tech. This actually reminds me of the McDonald's ice cream machine in a weird sort of way. The McDonald's ice cream machines, if you haven't heard this story, are admitted by the designer to specifically unallow, hinder, and tamper with any attempts to repair the device in the field. This almost comes off as that, that its sole purpose in life is just to be as much of a hindrance as possible. But you know, if you go ahead and do the thing you're not supposed to, that's on you. But no, instead you should continue to pay the monthly subscription or the annual one, you know, which, which, whichever. <sighs> I really do hope that this model does not, under any circumstances, catch on at all. Because this is atrocious. There's no other way to describe this. This business model, I get, like I said, I get where they're coming from. I get that the whole point is to have a lower financial barrier to get in. On the other hand, your lower financial barrier is $400 plus for an airbag. For an airbag. I just can't even, I, I just, th- th- this whole thing just has me so, upset. Now, however, there is a loophole. With this question, would in and motion turn off my vest mid-ride if I pass the 30-day grace period? No. In and motion will not turn off your vest mid-ride for any reason, even if you're at the end of the 30-day grace period, 
and it elapses during your ride. The only way for it to turn off during a ride is if you didn't charge charge the in and box and the battery dies. LEDs indicate the battery level, which you see when you turn it on and off when you turn it on or if you manually turn it off during your ride. Aha. We've done it. We found the way to circumvent it. All you got to do is just use is just use portable battery packs to charge it as you ride and just never stop riding. We've done it. We've cracked the code. Someone in chat's asked how long, how long, how long till one of these gets hacked so that's just permanently on. That's a very good question. Because here's actually a better question for you. So this stupid hot garbage shakedown vest needs to ping a server to make sure. That it, that in fact you paid your protection money, right? What happens if the server's down? (laughs) What happens? Oh, can't ping the server. Up, oh, timed out. I guess you get no, 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 no life protection today. Lol. What happens when there's when their servers just stop? Does that mean the eight hundred dollars I paid to not have a subscription is now just basically dead money, and I have a paperweight? You see why this angers me so much. And I don't ride a motorcycle. This whole thing, this whole concept is literally everything wrong with the you don't actually own your own technology mentality. Someone in chat says this sounds more and more, more like Cyberpunk 2077 me- Medical and Safety Megacorps. Oh my lord. Oh, someone just asked what happens if they d- if if they uh, DDoS attack the server. Other people are saying this is what's known as late stage capitalism. There, you know what though? There is at least one benefit to current capitalism, and that is us as consumers can go out of our way to inform others and explain why this is a bad product, and we can vote. With our wallets. Ne- uh, you know, there's a lot of products I don't agree with. I seriously, I seriously do hope this product fails. I really, 
really do hope that this product and this model fails flat on its face. We'll we'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, now that we're done talking about how our dystopian future is going to involve paying a monthly subscription on whether on determining who lives and who dies. I will also want to quickly thank... Um, I'm actually blanking on the guy's name now, and I actually... Lewis Rossman! I can't believe I blanked on Lewis Rossman. I want to thank Lewis Rossman and his community for bringing that story to my attention regarding the vest. I will also say that Lewis Rossman's uh, push for both right to repair and against these kinds of uh, you pay a monthly subscription and... And a large sum of money up front, but still don't actually own the thing that you own. Of bringing these sort of stories stories to life. Because that that is getting some big, big traction. And I, for one, am really glad to see it. Because this kind of thing, things like that vest, need to be put down A-S-A-G-D-P. And the only way they're going to be brought put down is either A, business practices like that being regulated against, or B, the customer base loudly saying, no, bad. Which unfortunately is the, thing, the same thing that's happening to Adobe Flash. Flash has been... Pretty much the backbone of the internet for a very, very long time. And ever since the iPhone has been suffering a very slow and painful and nostalgic death. Recently, Google Chrome has completely ended support for it. You can't even install it in Google Chrome. Well, now Microsoft is also removing Flash from Windows and apparently you will not be able to go ahead and do anything Adobe Flash related in any of its web browsers starting in July. Rest in peace, Flash. You will be missed, but not forgotten. Also, rest in peace, Windows 10X, who may in fact be dead before it was even truly born. Windows 10X, for those who don't know, is a split of Windows 10 that was specifically going to be four devices that use two screens. You may actually remember Windows 10X being shown off when the Microsoft Surface Duo and Surface Neo were shown off. These were 
dual screen devices that pretty much opened like a book. And Windows 10X was going to power these devices, except for the Surface Duo. That was going to be powered by Android and cost way more than it should have. But, you know, at the, at the very least, you know, they tried. But now the actual full-blown version of Windows 10X that was going to be intended for ARM-based processors and for dual-screen devices, in fact, sounds like it is going to be put out of its misery. But for those of you who are looking forward to your dual-screen book-like tablets, don't give up hope. For you see... Microsoft plans on incorporating these features into Core Windows 10. Oh no. Yet more added nonsense that will most likely be sloppily thrown into Windows 10 and not be a fantastic, great experience. Look, I just want to know, Microsoft. How many additional things are you going to add to Windows 10 and make it more and more and more unstable before you just go, you know... Maybe we should fine-tune some things. I mean, I personally am getting really sick of multiple different Windows 10 devices just spontaneously disconnecting USB devices. I'm, I'm just saying, you know. Maybe a uh, stability update. Maybe a little focus on that uh, their stability might not be the worst thing in the world. You know, just just saying. Maybe that should be a thought. Chat saying just bring back Windows 95 and Windows 3.11. Those were clearly the best days. Uh, clearly, you don't understand what the best days are. Windows 3.11. First off, Windows 98 was the superior operating system because it had ski free checkmate you can't tell no no other version of windows is better windows 98 not only ha- had the the maze screensaver it had ski free i'm just saying Meanwhile, over in Facebook land, Facebook is uh, telling people that, uh, you know, you really should allow some tracking. Because, you know, tracking is what allows us to remain free. You want Facebook to remain free, don't you? Come on. Just just allow a little bit of spying. What's the harm? You know. 
We're all friends here. Just allow us to spy on you. That's fine. Just allow tracking. Just allow just a little bit of tracking. Oh, boy. Yeah, about that, Facebook. Um, not a fan. Not thrilled. Let's let's not do that and then say we did. Or better yet, let's not do that and say we didn't. You know, it's been a while since we've said it loud and proud, but, you know, maybe... Just maybe. Maybe. You should stop using Facebook. And you know, maybe if me telling you you should stop using Facebook and as someone in the chat said, my 90s drug peer pressure (laughs) impression didn't convince you, maybe these advertisements... From Signal will convince you. Signal is a competitor to Facebook Messenger that specifically does um, encrypted and anonymized messaging. Like, privacy is kind of their thing. Well, what they did was they went ahead and got a massive ad buy on Instagram. Instagram, by the way, is owned by Facebook. You know, just in case you thought you managed to dodge the Facebook bullet by going to Instagram, I got bad news for you. You didn't. And the sole purpose of this ad buy from Signal was just to show... In gross, disgusting detail, the amount of pinpointed advertising that Facebook does because the data they collect on you, all all the ads are is just blue block, white text that just says, you got this ad because you're a... And then it would just put in, you know, something like newlywed Pilates instructor. And you're cartoon crazy. Of course, that element is also added in. You're, you're seeing this ad because you're in L.A. Jola. Of course, that L.A. Joala would just be swapped with whatever it is. And you're into par- in parenting blogs, also added in. And you're thinking about LGBTQ adoption. All they do is, apparently I've mispronounced that. It's supposed to be L.A. Hala, not L.A. Jala, or whatever the heck I said. Because I didn't know it was Spanish, because I am am a a peacefully oblivious uh, Midwesterner. And also it's La, not L.A. Because also, I am a blissfully ignorant... Midwesterner. I'm willing to admit when I make a mistake. (laughs) Are you Facebook? (laughs) (laughs) But you get the idea here. The whole point of this massive ad buy from Signal. (laughs) 
is to show just how tar- how creepily targeted the advertisements from Facebook are. Uh, needless to say, uh, Facebook was not thrilled about this when they found out that uh, these ads were running on their services without their knowledge because of course like all gigatech corporations any sort of method on collecting revenue is completely automated so that all they have to do is sit back relax in their chair kick their feet up and go hey what do you want on your pizza today because everything else is just done automatically they can just do that so these ads have been taken down but the fact that these ran for any amount of time that was more than five minutes is in fact incredible unfortunately not only has have these ads been put down but signals ad account was completely disabled some of these other ones were were great too you got this ad because you're a k-pop loving chemical engineer this ad use your location to see you're in berlin and you have a new baby and just moved and you're really feeling the feeling those pregnancy exercises lately You got this ad because you're a teacher, but more importantly, you're a Leo and and single. This ad used your location to see you're in Moscow, and you support sketch comedy, and this ad thinks you do drag. God, that last one I think would be even worse if it was right. Like, it's just like, this ad thinks you secretly do drag, and you're just like, ah, no! No one's supposed to know! Uh, Considering all the weird stuff I end up having to look up for both this podcast and everything else, I would be actually fascinated to see what this ad would pull up on me. Like, I guarantee you it's inaccurate. Just because I have had to look up a wide variety of various nonsense. But part of me is curious to see what the what the Facebook algorithm thinks I am. Would be legit curious. I mean, it's already funny that scammers think I'm an 80-year-old geriatric patient or something and keep calling me to try and sell me life insurance and then get offended when I call them a coward you know what I think we're gonna break here for right now we're gonna take our break a bit early because up next is all the little fun tidbits that came out of epic versus apple and I don't want to be interrupted by it 
enjoying the show so far? Well, you'll be happy to know that there actually is a smaller, more bite-sized version of this podcast. I call it the Early Burb Briefing, which you can find at anchor.fm slash earlyburbbriefing. That's B-I-R-B. Keep that in mind. That airs every single day, a little bit of four minutes, and that's it, targeting one single story, sometimes two, but it's a nice little bite-sized version of this podcast, You and I highly recommend. Go check it out. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Epic versus Apple. The trials have begun, despite the fact it feels like these trials have been going on for the last nine years. We have literally closed out the first week of this case. And for the most part, we have learned... Almost nothing. For the most part, the trial has kind of advanced in... I would the easiest way to summarize Apple versus Epic right now is both companies lawyers pointing at each other and saying no you. I would say that's the easiest way to sum it up right now. Nothing of actual substance has gotten done. However, the fact that the case opens up because of course it is the COVID times a large amount of the cases being done in conference call form. Well, someone on the Epic side of things accidentally had a public channel into their conference call open. And it did not take very long for trolls to just flood in that channel and start shouting obscene statements. Slow freaking clap. <sighs> what else can you say? Uh, but the case did, in fact, raise a question. A question that just really is going to drive everyone insane. What even is a game? What is an app? What isn't anything? It's only natural, right? The whole point of the case pretty much goes down to one question and one question only. If you have a closed garden platform, are you allowed to have the only store on that platform that's basically what the case is going to boil down to which is also why i believe that epic's whole point in this has absolutely nothing to do with the 30 percent cut like they originally claimed this the whole point of the epic versus apple case is to ha- is for Epic to try and set up the Epic Game Store 
on iOS. I am 100% convinced of this. I have been 100% convinced of this since about week two of this whole spat between Epic and Apple. So therefore questions like, what even is a game? Is it relevant? But of course, because we're going to keep putting on the facade that the App Store in iOS is not the only way to get into iOS, we're just going to get questions like this. What even is a game? Oh, shush you. It doesn't matter. But that's not going to stop everyone from reporting on it and going, what a profound question. It's not profound. It's a distraction. It's idiotic. But needless to say, we're going to get distractions like that all the while. And of course, you're going to get headlines like this one. Apple is not happy with Epic's Xbox witness. The point here that was brought up is that Apple's platform is one that is designed to be a constant source of revenue, not only are the iPhones themselves sold a profit? Not only are the iPhones designed in such a way that they are nigh unrepairable and, and actually done in such a way that it is very easily to accidentally dist- per- cause permanent damage to the phone by opening it up, thus starting the whole right to repair controversy. There's that part of Apple's side as well to make sure you have to go get a new phone when the battery via software holds less than a tr- less charge than it should but then on top of that you have the revenue that the Apple App Store also generates because it has a 30% cut of all sales done on the platform now The Microsoft Xbox also does a very similar manner. Except the difference there is that the Xbox sells their hardware, at least on paper, at a loss. Whether it actually is, I can't say. I don't know. I'm not an expert on this. I think the only people who know whether the Xbox actually is sold at a loss or not is actually Xbox. But I would say, considering the fact that the games are so much more expensive on the Xbox than they are on any other platform, well, not any other platform, but you get the you get the point. It would not surprise me at all if that was the, that was the case. But Apple was just not thrilled with the Xbox witness because he brought that point up. The, they brought the point that we're a walled garden because that is how. We turn a profit because we sell our hardware at a loss. Unlike Apple, who not only sells their hardware at massive profits, but also makes it that there is no upgrade path other than to bloody replace it the next year. 
But the Xbox has generations and they're not always full compatible even though they kinda are but aren't. Yeah, they do every six to seven years. As opposed to Apple, which is every 12 months. Yeah. That being said, though, if this case does go Epic's way, it is going to spell bad news for Xbox's walled garden and Sony's as well. And you could end up seeing a situation where a company like Epic Games that goes ahead and commits such wonderful anti-consumer acts as buying up the exclusive rights to have a game be exclusive to the Epic Game Store, which is an inferior platform in every way, shape, and form, as well as mining a horrendous amount of data, as well as being a terrible, absolute mess. But now you can't get on any other platform. But you know, Epic is for the people. At least that's what they keep saying, right? Right? A lot of people are saying that they can't wait to see Epic win this. So that Apple gets what's coming to them. I don't think they realize... What an Epic Games win here means. I'll say this much here, now that we're actually seeing the case unfold. If Apple gets a total win here, nothing changes. And walled gardens continue to be the norm. Which is still bad, because walled gardens are fairly anti-consumer and that's what leads to nonsense like the a1 like the ai-1 airbag vest that's not a pretty future however if epic games gets a total win here you are gonna see stores like the epic game store pop up on the playstation on the xbox on ios on and well it already exists on android just nobody cares on android and you are quite possibly going to see the kind of thing that those of us have been griping about on the PC and every single console diehard laughing at us PC gamers going hey, you <laughs> you're griping about a store you're going to see that exact pain come to Xbox to come to PlayStation to come to the Switch. To see games be exclusive to one store because Epic just decided, you know what? 
We're going to go ahead and pay a stupid amount of money to make sure that you can't buy this on the store you want. And that's no good. This case is going to end up going ways I don't think a lot of people fully expect them to. Keep that in mind as this case develops. More than likely, the decision is going to be somewhere in the middle, which is probably going to be the best case scenario. In the end, we will see. Oh, by the way, we got a whole bunch of details about one of the biggest iPhone hacks on record where 18 million people in the U.S. Oh, I'm sorry, 128 million users ended up containing, having uh, malware installed in their phones from the App Store. So, I mean, there's that. Of course, that was brought up as an argument for, in Apple's case, of saying, well, the main reason that we need to have our world garden in the iOS platform is so that we can guarantee the security of all devices. Despite the fact that the iPhone is one of the most insecure phones on the planet. Yeah. Not a good argument. So, of course, that bit of dirty laundry got aired. And then, of course, the judge in the case was uh, flabbergasted, we'll put it that way, over uh, Apple's xCloud policy. Don't know what that is? Well, a while back, Apple wanted, well, not Apple, but Microsoft wanted to get their project xCloud on iOS. Google also wanted to get their Stadia on there too, but nobody cares about Stadia. Apple's response to that was saying, I'm sorry, you're trying to get multiple apps on here backdoored in through this xCloud. And we can't allow that. You're allowed to do that, but submit every game independently. The exact quote from the judge is, but I can use Netflix with a native app and I can see lots of different movies or TV shows or whatever. Is it that you didn't want to use a subscription model? The judge makes a good point. Why block xCloud? When you allow something like Netflix already on there. It never made sense. By the way, I want to remind you that uh, Epic specifically didn't want to have uh, Fortnite on xCloud to take away the argument from Apple that there were other ways to get Fortnite or other applications on iOS outside of the App Store.
Someone in chat says, oh, it was because of the Apple Arcade competition. I don't know. Apple Arcade still feels like a different animal entirely from xCloud. The thing is with xCloud, it has the advantage of being no compute is done on the phone. Apple Arcade is much closer to being a Netflix for gaming. Apple Arcade does no computing in the cloud. You basically just download the game and play it directly on your phone. You could, after after you have the game installed from Apple Arcade, you can throw yourself into airplane mode, completely cut off all data in and out from the phone, and the game will still operate, 100%. So it's still just kind of a... It's a weird one. But needless to say, I'm glad to see that some of the BS that Apple has been slinging around is being poked full of the holes that it deserves. I already talked about my next story, so we're just going to skip it. Now, one bit of interesting info on all this was that uh, Apple apparently talked about back in 2011 dropping completely the App Store revenue split. What? Yeah, apparently back in July of 2011, the App Store head Phil Schiller asked the Apple services head Eddie Q and former CEO Steve Jobs if the 70-30 split was was sustainable and even suggested dropping it down to an 80-20. Well, that's not good info to get out in a case where Apple tries to say that their 30% cut is absolutely 100% necessary. And as I said before, and I'll kind of repeat this again, the main reason why a 70-30 split is constantly talked about and why that why that particular split keeps coming up is in the retail industry to put your product on a shelf a 70-30 split is considered standard. Let's pretend I make we'll say the next greatest game. We'll we'll call it Falco Quest. We, We make an RPG. We call it Falco Quest. It is the most amazing thing ever and we want to put it on store shelves for some reason. I keep 70% of every single sale that Falco Quest makes on the shelves. The remaining 30%, each one of the stores that it's sold in keeps. 
And that 30% covers the cost to have that game on the shelf, the staff to keep that game in stock on the shelves, the space in the back where it can't fit on the shelves, as well as the rent of the building and the the rest of the staff. The the, the upkeep. There, in, in an actual retail building, there is, of course costs associated with running that retail store. How much upkeep does the Apple App Store have? Well, there's the power bill of the server. The initial cost of the server. Bill from IT to uh, occasionally come in and make sure the blue light is blue and not orange. Yeah, to maintain a digital store, the upkeep is way, way less than it is in a physical store. And a lot less traumatizing. I mean, have you seen a Walmart? If you haven't, you're the blessed one here. So, yeah, seeing this kind of thing come out and Apple already in the past contemplating where they need to go 730 not helping their case right now when their position is we need to keep 70-30 for no adequately explored reason. Oh boy. Now one thing that was actually reminded... When this whole feud about who can and can't be in the App Store also kind of got some other people kicked out. Shadow Cloud, another cloud gaming service that is totally fine, but xCloud isn't, despite being almost the exact same blasted thing, also had them temporarily removed, but have now been reinstated. Despite the fact that xCloud is not allowed Whoops. Now, as I said before, it's clear the goal of Epic v. Apple. The end goal is to get an Epic Game Store on iOS. And it is clear that Epic when they first launched their PC version, wanted to get a piece of the pie and to get an estimate of how much money Epic Games spent to try and pretty much buy the loyalty of gamers 
within their first nine months of operations for just free games and every and all that to catch the attention of PC gamers. This is just the free games. This is not the exclusivity deals, by the way. Just in the free games, eleven point six million dollars. in freebies to try and buy loyalty. So real quick, who here still thinks that this has nothing to do with wanting to get an Epic game store on iOS? Who still thinks this has to do with just getting a a lower cut on V bucks on Fortnite? Epic is desperate. Underline desperate. To at the very least be a decent competitor to Steam. And what's even better than being a competitor to Steam? Being a competitor to multiple different game stores. Yeah, the lower cut is attractive. That was how Epic Games Store first started, and at that time, I was all in favor. But, you know, the moment they started going ahead and buying up exclusivity deals and then doing blatant things like trying to buy your loyalty with free games. In fact, actually, it's the order. The fact that they went first to say, we'll offer developers more of the money for for their games. He's like, okay, yeah, that that's good. And then they went ahead and started buying up exclusivity contracts. And it was at that point that the store was dead to me. And then they tried to win people like me back with saying, look at all these free games. Yeah, no, you lost me. You really did. But in the end goal, in the end, Epic thinks they can make up 35 to 50% of the PC gaming market by 2024. And it's that kind of market share that they think they can make up for the absolute colossal amount of money they spent because keep in mind the epic game store despite all this has not turned a profit it is still operating in the red keep that in mind and well when you see all this and they're just like you know we could make up up to 50% of the PC gaming market by 2024. That's all that matters. You get that market share and eventually the money will flow with it. That in the end is the end goal of Epic. And we're going to see more and more. This case is going to get uglier and uglier. And in fact, With how much they've been building up, it would not surprise me at all if we don't get a decision on this case 
it would not surprise me at all if the decision doesn't come until 2022. It really would not surprise me. But for those who are wondering, what's my take on Epic versus Apple? Oh, there you go. It is a hot mess, and the end goal is to get more Epic Game Stores on more platforms. That being said, though, the case is catching up innocence in all this. Sony is facing a lawsuit for restricting digital games in the PlayStation Store. Reported by Bloomberg, there is a proposed class action lawsuit against Sony Interactive Entertainment claiming that Sony is running an illegal monopoly on PlayStation game purchases. You're going to start seeing more and more of this as more and more people start looking at Epic's case against Apple and go, wait a second, don't more places run like that? Yeah. Yeah, they do. If cases like this, though, do get, do come down before the Apple versus Epic one, that is going to kind of give us a hint as to how that case is going to go down. Keeping on the Sony train, though, there is suspicions and rumors and leaks and reports saying that there is going to be a PS5 redesign in 2022. You can't even get a PS5 now, and there's going to be a redesign. Well, apparently it's going to be using a more efficient 6 nanometer SOC from TSMC. I think it all has to do with the fact that the PS5 right now is just so big by comparison. Also, more efficient design means that it would not need to use the liquid metal that the PS5 currently uses. That is one of the bigger concerns, although Sony seems pretty confident that the liquid metal-based cooling solution that's in the PS5 now is in no danger Many other people know what liquid metal can do to, say, solder joints and, oh, I don't know, if it leaks out of its containment area and gets on the board and kills it. What could happen? I, for one, would not mind a little bit of a redesign, although reports are saying it's only going to affect the internals. The externals are still going to be the same size. I, for one, would still love to see the PS5 get a little smaller and a little less Alienware-like. Only a little, though. I actually don't mind the PS5 design. And I know I'm in the minority. I will say, though, that uh, the Oreo look I see a lot of people doing with thanks to dbrand, having the external plates be black and the the middle section be white is a much 
better look, I will admit. Chat says so it will still be the Kaiba station. Yes, it will still look exactly like Seto Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. Exactly. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had fears, or it was even last week, we had fears that Discord was going to be bought by Microsoft. And fortunately, we all let out a collective sigh of relief when it turned out that no, Discord was not going to be bought by Microsoft. Instead, Discord partnered up with PlayStation. Oh. Sony has apparently made a substantial investment, but not a controlling one, into Discord to have Discord become part of the PlayStation experiment at some point in 2022. Hopefully, that'll be a time after the virus TM. But of course, who knows? Nobody knows anymore. I don't even know what year it is right now. It's the year 1769, right? I've lost track, man. Nobody knows anymore. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, so, uh, Discord. Dis so it's unclear at this time what a Discord experience on PlayStation will look like. But this kind of shows why Discord turned down Microsoft and why Discord was in talks with Microsoft in the first place. Most likely, these talks between Discord and Sony were already going on. So Discord already had plans on being part of the Sony experience. So clearly, Discord was in talks with Microsoft to do something similar for the Xbox, but... Oh, it looks like Microsoft only wanted all of it. Microsoft got greedy. Who knows if Microsoft's going to come back to the table and be less greedy. But needless to say, I don't think we've heard the last of Microsoft and Discord talking to each other. Clearly, the next goal for Discord is to be part of the console experience. Sans for Nintendo, since, well, Nintendo gets along with other companies about as well as Epic gets along with Apple. I'm just saying. It's not going to go well together. Apple, however, is rumored to be, to be launching an 8-inch foldable iPhone in 2023. I, too, cannot wait to see... This phone being made cost $8,000 and also scratch and cause per and have permanent damage inflicted upon it with my fingernail. I'm just saying, like, I don't care who makes a folding phone until you get that internal folding display robust enough to not have permanent damage done to it with a fingernail 
your phone is dead to me regardless of what it costs. I don't care if that folding phone costs $500. If my fingernail can cause permanent damage to the screen, it is dead to me. Period. End of story. That is just the truth of it. We're going to take our last break here. And when we come back, I have quite a few interesting Intel and GPU stories. And of course, we have to talk about the rocket that's going to land. Well, by the time you guys hear this podcast, the rocket will have landed. But we're still going to talk about it. If you want to come and chat with me when I'm recording these podcasts, just go ahead and visit me at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. We record Eagle Eyes on Tech every, well, usually every Saturday. Sometimes it's we have to do it on a Sunday, but pretty much every Saturday is when we record, record these. And also during the rest of the week, we have all other kinds of fun silliness with all kinds of different games. Check it out, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Intel is going to be investing $3.5 billion in New Mexico on its fabrication plant upgrade, boosting its U.S. chip-making prowess. You're going to be seeing this a lot in the next few months. If there's one thing that has been greatly made infinitely worse by the virus, it is in fact that our chip production rate has been going higher and higher and higher, and our fabrication to make them has not. Now, of course, the vi- the virus TM went ahead and put a lot of these fabrication plants on ice for a bit, and also the production line of the supply to these fabrication plants on hold. The virus did, in fact, play a big role in the chip shortage we now face to this day that has made GPUs an absolute myth and anyone who tells you they have a gpu in their computer may in fact be a cylon trying to convince you of lies it is good to see that other companies are looking to go ahead and actually push for fabrication production actually making these plants that make these chips you're going to be seeing tsmc as well be making new plants. However, we're not going to see these plants start making anything until 2022. And then maybe, just maybe, just maybe, 
GPUs will decide to exist again. That being said, for the GPU, you know, we have a story later on about GPUs, like this one right now. More rumors of the Intel ZHPGDG2 GPU, which definitely was not an awkward alphabet soup. More specifications of this graphic card have leaked out saying that the card can have up to 4,096 graphical cores at 1.8 gigahertz with a 100-watt TDP? No, it's a 100-watt TGP. What? The other baffling thing about this detail... is that this GPU is also going to be PCI Express Gen 4.0 with a by 12 interface. What? Normal GPUs use a by 16. Is it just that this GPU is going to be more efficient and it doesn't need a by 16 that it's going to get away with a by 12 connection? It's quite possible. For the most part, honestly, GPUs that totally exist and are not a myth told to us by lizard people have gotten away with being able to use only electrically by 8. So it's quite possible that the Z might actually only use by 12, which would be higher than it was in the past, but still have a by 16 connector just in case, which has been the case on, on GPUs that totally exist. Don't look at me that way for the longest time now. Now, I could tell you more details about this card, but let's be perfectly honest. It literally doesn't matter. All of these numbers, the core count, the clock speed, literally tells us nothing about the performance of the card other than a rough estimate that it could be goodish. But here's the real question Will it exist? That's the real question. I have actual high hopes that it will exist. You want to know why I have high hopes that this GPU might actually be able to be purchasable at close to a rate that is lower than the cost of my kidney? I have not seen a leak yet saying what its hash rate is. And that to me was the peak You're never going to buy a GPU in 2021 at all. When new GPUs coming out, the only metric that people seem to be measuring is how much can mine freaking Ethereum? That was the last straw right there. And the fact that this one apparently has no rate of how well can mine Ethereum, it, it gives me hope. 
there's a chance that graphic cards might, in fact, be used for gaming. They can roam free and only receive heavy loads some of the time instead of being strapped into wooden torture cases and being used to mine Ethereum until the day they die. I'm just saying, if GPUs could feel pain... Ethereum mining stations would be horrific. Meanwhile, IBM laughs at Intel as IBM has found a way to produce a two nanometer chip. Two nanometers. Intel's still struggling at 10. And IBM plans and has successfully made two nanometer processors. All right, Intel, your move. In time, though, I guess we will just have to see how things go. Reports from Overclocking.com show that the RTX 3080 Ti is being postponed. Most likely because NVIDIA might finally be getting the idea because literally, not figuratively, literally, every single tech media outlet is looking at the 3080 Ti and saying, no one cares. Literally no one cares. People are actually getting to the point of being upset about these RTX 3000 series launches. And the fact that it took NVIDIA this long to say, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, we should wait a bit before talking about this GPU. It kind of does say something about NVIDIA. Now, I actually did have a talk with... uh, with with someone I actually should go ahead and mention this now on this a few people that I've talked to are actually literally angry with Nvidia thinking that the only reason they keep pushing out these cards is because Nvidia is just making tons upon tons of money because of how high the price is being pushed up I want to walk you through the supply cycle to actually show that NVIDIA is not making out nearly as well as you'd think. Here's how the normal supply cycle goes, all right? NVIDIA spends a jaw-droppingly huge amount of money in research and development to make a GPU to make a GPU architecture. All right. Once it's done. All right. After they spend millions upon billions of dollars developing a new architecture, they then commission out a fab to make the GPUs before it was TSMC this time around at Samsung. They go ahead and make, they make just the GPU die itself. All right. And then NVIDIA 
in the case of the 3000 series, they design two different boards. They design what's known as the reference board, which is then schematically sent out to their board partners like Asus, MSI, EVGA, and so on and so forth, and saying, this is what we recommend a GPU look like. And then those board partners design their own boards and usually design like three or three or four different boards. In EVGA's case, it's usually just a standard board, then a, then a for the wind board, and then a classified blackboard, and then a kingpin board. Usually in that order. The kingpin board, of course, being their stupid, crazy, over-the-top, limited edition, custom power delivery, crazy, overclockable card that it comes with a water cooler, but you're a lunatic if you think you're only going to water cool this. You're going to L into it because you're a lunatic. But I digress. And then this time around, also NVIDIA made a Founders Edition board, which was even more custom than normal. So you have all that going on, right? Well... Then the partner boards go out. Then the partner boards have to mark up the bo- their boards a little bit to cover their manufacturing costs and their and and, and their research and development to customize the board a bit. Then they go out to the retailer. The the manufacturer, the board partners, mark it up a bit. You've actually been seeing this if you've been watching Linus Tech Tips, and they're selling the boards at what's considered MSRP. You notice there's been a a noticeable markup there. Like, way more than would normally exist. Like, a $500 card is costing, like, $650, supposedly at MSRP from Asus. So there's already a huge markup being done there because of the low supply. But the actual founders board that Nvidia makes is still being sold at the regular price of 500 bucks despite the fact that it is always out of stock. Then the retailer marks it up again because the demand is so high they can't keep it on the shelves. Then, of course, third-party sellers are buying them up and then marking them up drastically. But they can't keep them in stock because, of course, the cryptocurrency sellers or cryptocurrency miners are buying up all these cards that they possibly can to mine with them. You know, a freaking $2,000 card to a gamer like you or me Two thousand dollars for a card that normally costs five hundred is outrageous. To an Ethereum miner, that's annoying. But I can make that back in a couple months. It's a small price to pay to print money. You notice how when I go through this cycle, Nvidia is not marking up anything. 
NVIDIA has been kind of shockingly acting like everything is normal. They just keep releasing more and more of their product stack like there's no shortage, like everything's normal and everything will just fix itself. It is actually kind of stunning how ignorant NVIDIA has been to the situation of their marketplace to the point where it's now hurting NVIDIA on a PR level. The fact that the RTX 3080 Ti is being postponed might in fact be the first sign of evidence that NVIDIA is willing to acknowledge, you know what? Something might not be just right in the world of GPUs. No kidding! You're just noticing this now? Oh, NVIDIA, 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 NVIDIA. What are we going to do with you, NVIDIA? The world may never know. That being said, though, we now do know or have an idea what uh, AMD is doing as far as their GPUs. The GPUs we see now, the 6900, the 6800, the 6800 XT, and I think there might be one other one. That's it for the RDNA 2 cards. However, supposedly, the next generation, RDNA 3... According to reports, could be up to three times faster than Big Navi. Really? When push comes to shove, the Big Navi GPUs were a big step in the right direction, but still fell short compared to the RTX 3000 series. The RTX 3000 series outperformed AMD for the most part. There's a few cards that did slightly better in some other areas. But RDNA 2 was huge in the fact that it caught up with NVIDIA. That's what made it big. If RDNA is going to be 300% faster... That's big. That is actually big. Maybe by the time we're allowed to buy GPUs, those cars will exist. What a incredible thought. A large number of Stadia developers have left Google now that Stadia is no longer making games and have joined the Jade Raymond. Or I'm sorry, has joined Jade Raymond at Haven Studios. So at least Google Stadia, despite the fact that they were going to had big plans and then they were axed, at least those developers have found a new home and we'll go ahead and see what they have planned. I wish them luck. In other oddball news, Verizon Media, also known as AOL, is going to be acquired by Apollo Funds. I know. I forgot Verizon bought AOL and turn it into Verizon Media as well. 
So to which I say, good luck, Apollo Funds. Judging by your name, I'm willing to bet you're just going to do nothing with it and try to sell it off to someone else for a quick profit. Good luck to you. Good luck. Now getting to our more oddball stories. Returnal is a video game that uh, has found out that it has quite a few cheats built into the game if you go ahead and hook up a keyboard. All you have to do is hook up a keyboard to your Xbox or PlayStation. And basically, there are a whole bunch of cheat codes and debug codes that are originally intended for game development that made it into the final version. Whoops. Honestly, real talk though. Uh Personally, I find it kind of cool. I wish more games would kind of have sort of fun dev rooms sort of built into the games. But uh If you're going to do that sort of thing, try to make sure that uh, you have an isolated room and that you can't activate these sort of cheats in multiplayer games. Oopsie whoopsie. You know what else is a big oopsie? China. I should just stop there. Just China. China has launched a rocket, and in fact, a large chunk of the rocket is going to fall back to Earth with an uncontrolled re-entry and just crash somewhere. We don't know where. It's going to crash somewhere on the Earth. Odds are, by the time this podcast airs, the segment will have crashed and have landed somewhere. But at the time of recording this, uh, we have no idea. It's just going to be somewhere. We just don't know where. Oh. Boy. And for the most part right now, uh, There's some speculation that it could land pretty much anywhere from as far north as New York to as as far south as Sydney, Australia, with hitting any in any sort of degree of east and west along the whole area. I will admit before I recorded this, I did take an honest effort to try and find the most recent and accurate guess as to where it's going to land. And uh, we basically narrow it down to Earth. It's going to land somewhere on Earth. So uh, those those of you listeners uh, listening on Bajor, uh, you are safe from this. So good for you people. 
And with that, I turn to our last burb, our last story of the, of the day, the weirdest story of the week. We recently had Star Wars Day. It is a day when many a nerd either A, looks up a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff and wonders what's the next amazing thing that's going to happen, B, Rewatches the the old Star Wars back to when it was quote good. C. Ben Ben watches the entire Mandalorian series. Or D. Keep making the same stupid pun over and over again. Think they're clever and make people like me groan every single time. Or you're Disney and decided that you're gonna go ahead and tease a video with a supposed working lightsaber. Despite the fact that the video they posted, um, it just looks like a lightsaber, like it would in the movie, like exactly. But supposedly it's real and that it's working and that you will, you will be able to see more of it in an upcoming attraction. I have several questions. I I really do. Now, I will say this much. A YouTube channel called The Hacksmith has, in fact, made a lightsaber-style plasma cutter and called it a lightsaber. Its length is closer to a light dagger, but its destructive power is pretty much exactly the same as a lightsaber, except that they weren't able to reflect laser beams with it. And that I was greatly disappointed by, mostly because it was a giant concentrated blade of plasma. I just want to know, Disney. If you're going to make a real lightsaber, when is the first Church of the Jedi going to open? When when are we going to have the first Temple of the Jedi Asking for a friend and definitely not planning out a road trip at all. That is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. I thank you so much for listening. And I do I, I do just want to tell you. I don't know if I'm going to put it in the breaks or not. But uh, we do actually have on our new Anchor setup the ability to actually take voiced questions and actually answer them check it check it out anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech no spaces in all that take care and i hope you have a great day
Okay, next question, Disney. How long until we get plasma guns? How long until you develop a real plasma gun? And how long until you start training people to shoot them poorly and never, ever hit anything? I'm just asking, you know, you know, we're talking earlier about dystopian megacorps in the future. I'm just wondering, is Disney going to end up becoming the empire? Is Amazon going to buy Disney and become the empire? Who's going to do what here? Or is it we're going to have some kind of hybrid? Disney ends up becoming the Star Wars empire and Skynet or and and Amazon becomes Skynet and they duel it out for control of of Earth and we just end up flying off to go literally anywhere else as Disney and Amazon make all of Earth pretty much a giant massive hellscape. All right, well now I'm thoroughly depressed. I'm going to I'm going to go cry in a pillow.